Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. We do exalt you, O Lord, and we thank you so much for allowing us to be in your presence this evening, allowing us as your people to come together to study your word and simply, Father, take time to to magnify your name and to acknowledge your love, your goodness. all that is of who You are. And so often, Lord, we praise You for all the things You give us, all the things You do for us. But You deserve our praise and You deserve our adoration and love and our worship for who You are. Simply because of our awareness of you and because of your great love. So Lord, we pray that you would bless us tonight as we enter into a time of praise and worship of you. Father God, that you would allow us to to just spend some time with you, to acknowledge your greatness, your goodness allow you to wash over us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Tonight I want to tell you about two young boys that you probably think you know the names of these two boys. Most likely because there's a lot of us that know young boys that are this way. They Especially when they get together, they like to be rambunctious and they like to do things that normally they wouldn't do when they're by themselves. They, uh, they're the kind of little boys that sit in the classroom and pull the girl's hair that's in front of them or uh, they might uh, uh, get in trouble by taking things that don't belong to them or, or doing things and saying things that, that they shouldn't say, especially when they're together. And there were two little boys that were this way. They, they got into all kinds of trouble stealing stuff and, and taking things and doing things that they shouldn't do. And uh, they had already talked to the teacher and the teacher had uh, sat down and talked with them about it and they couldn't get any uh, results from it. They had the principal come and sit down and talk with them and the principal uh, couldn't get them to, to calm down and uh, they had the parent. The parents had sat them down and had long discussions with them, and 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 uh, they finally decided to get the preacher to come and speak with them. Maybe if he would speak to them from a spiritual perspective, they could get some results from uh, the preacher. And so uh, the preacher came, and in a uh, in a moment of inspiration, the preacher sat sat him down, and he said. Boys, I want to ask you something. Where is God? And the boys just stood, sat there and looked at each other and they looked back at the preacher and they didn't say much anything. And the preacher said, Boys, where's God? 
And they just kind of sat there and they got kind of a little scared and everything. And they said, he said, boys, where is God? And finally, one of the boys looked at the other boy and he said, don't say anything, Jimmy. They think we done took God and they're and, <laughs> and they going to blame us for it. He, God's missing and, and, and they're going to blame us. You know, uh, that's how a lot of people are. They believe that God is missing. They believe that, that God is, is not there. There's uh, atheist groups and other agnostics that, that have jumped on this bandwagon of, of uh, saying, you know, well, uh, there is no God because uh, there's no evidence of God and, and they don't want to see any evidence of God. They don't want to see... Uh, God in their lives, and so they denounce God. They denounce His existence. They uh, they want to say that well, uh, people don't uh, need to go to church because it is a way of tricking the feeble-minded and that kind of thing. And uh, uh, so tonight we're going to look at at a song, uh, uh, a very uh, important song. You know, a lot of of our lives are centered around songs. And uh, you don't believe me, just start, uh, get in a group of people and start playing certain songs and you can really sway emotions or you can sway the per, uh, the the uh, 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 characteristic of the crowd, the, the, uh, the group of people by the song that you play. Uh, you don't believe me, watch some of these debates and watch some of these rallies that some of the politicians are starting to have as we get closer into uh, political times in which people are going to vote for things. And, and you just see, uh, just watch these rallies and they'll start the whole thing with roaring music and, and music that's meant to stir emotions, music that's meant to uh, rouse people and get them excited, uh, music that uh, inspires people to be patriotic, music that causes people to, to take a stand. And, and every politician hunts for that one song that they will use throughout their campaign to try and, and get a sense of community amongst those who hear the song and in an effort to try and get them to vote for that one candidate. Music sways us and causes us to have certain emotions. And uh, the Bible is full of music. Turn with me to Psalm 19. And this is a song of David. He was a music writer. He wrote a lot of songs. And I think a lot of it stems from his uh, lonely days of sitting as a shepherd uh, watching his father's sheep. And David honed his skills uh, as the uh, court musician for Saul when he, uh, before he became king. Uh, before David became a, a great uh, commander and, and leader of armies, he was a great singer and a great uh, communicator of emotion through song. He was able to soothe the, the evil spirit uh, that fell upon Saul. And so David writes this song and he talks about where God is. And I, I think uh, as a little child, I, I remember first learning about the fact that God is everywhere, that God is all around us. And always thinking, well, if I can 
maybe hide from God. Yeah, this is when I was real little. You know, if I could hide from God, uh, maybe I can keep from uh, God from seeing some of the things that I do. And and you know, adults talk about trying to find God, like God's out there playing hide and seek with them. Find the will of God. Well, we got to hunt down God so we can know God's will and uh, that kind of thing. Uh, God's not trying to, to hide from us and we shouldn't try and hide from Him. David says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day to day other speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heavens and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from uh, the heat thereof. And the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, endure forever. And the judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou from uh, me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins, and let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. David talks about the magnificence of God and the grandeur of God. Look at how he opens this psalm. And he talks about the magnificent grandeur of God as being uh, uh, so great. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. He says all around us, we see evidence of the glory of God. Everywhere that we look, we can't possibly ignore the great glory of God. God is, is seen in everything. There is nothing that, that we can see with our eyes that do not declare the very handiwork of God. We see the great glory of God in everything. And you know, the problem with a lot of these atheists is they don't want to see the glory of God. They spend all of their time trying to uh, justify a belief that there is no God. And all the while, they're, all they're doing is, is arguing against all the, the evidence of God that's all around them. Uh, David says, the very, uh, uh, the very heavens of God. Uh, everything. If we just simply look up into the sky, we can see all of God's handiwork, everything that is within the earth, all everything that is uh, on the earth is showing God's handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. 
There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. And them hath he said a tabernacle for the sun. He says everything that we say and everything that we do, all speech that is uttered is a reflection of God's glory. It is uh, simply put... The very words that we say are evidence of God's glory because we have been given cognizant awareness of, of the things that are all around us. And we sh- we're an example of uh, uh, the very might of God in that He allows us to be able to utter two words together that mean something. You know, the atheists and the agnostic, they see uh, that as evidence of man's superiority. But but David says, no, that's not evidence of man's superiority. It's evidence of the grace of God that He would allow us to be able to... uh, And and the power and might of God that He would enable us to have uh, two thoughts that mean anything uh, in conjunction with one another. And he says, look, uh, the Son... is like a bridegroom that comes out of his chamber and and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. He says, look, uh, even if you just look up into the sky, the sun is like uh, a a very strong uh, bridegroom that comes out and uh, marches across the sky and is able to show the very might of God in his... uh, march across the sky and he is going in his going forth is from the end of the heavens and the circuit unto the ends of it and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof it's no coincidence that we're where we are in the universe david is is likening the sun to a bridegroom that marches across the sky and the very heat of the sun touches everything and he is saying in essence uh, the very fingers of God go throughout all of the earth. But do, do you realize what a precarious situation we're in uh, if we were just a little bit closer to the sun in our orbit around the sun uh, everything upon the earth would just uh, dry up and we would fry if we were a little bit further away from the sun, just a little bit further away, everything upon the earth would, would freeze and we'd be nothing but a big uh, ball of, of ice going around the sun. The very uh, power of God touches us and we are seeing His might in the sun as it marches across the sky. The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple the statutes of the Lord are right rejoicing the heart the commandments of the Lord uh, is pure enlightening the eyes the fear of the Lord is clean enduring forever and the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether can you imagine this is talking about the, the very righteousness of God can you imagine what a dawning task it would be if we were left to determine what all was right and just? 
Well, we have no basis for being able to determine that. Our laws try and establish righteousness and and right living, but as we've seen throughout generations, lawyers can twist any law to say anything they want it to say and can cause juries to convict someone who's completely innocent of a crime they never even thought of before and they can send uh, uh, the guilty party of a heinous crime free simply because of a few words of an attorney. But yet the righteousness of God is clean and pure, uh, David says. Everything about the righteousness of God is just. And all that God does even though we might look at those things at times and, and, and say, oh, there's, there's something that's just not right. If we knew the, the righteousness of God altogether, they, we would understand how true and right they are. It's many times because we just simply don't look at it with the eyes of God. We look at it uh, from the eyes of man and we just simply can't comprehend the righteousness of God and how right and just He is. This is, in particular is, is something that can be a stumbling block to some people. They want to sit there and they say, well, if God was so right and just, then why is it that this child that is innocent, never has done anything, is born with this terrible disease, while this individual over here who has done everything wrong exceeds and abounds in everything and is successful in everything he touches and all the things that he does is able to uh, just simply multiply in riches. And we simply can't uh, explain all those things other than the grace of God and the goodness of God. A God that loves us in spite of our sinfulness and allows us to live and draw our breath. You know, I, uh, my dad uh, is someone that was touched by a great disease and Uh, He could have spent his whole life questioning God and saying, God, why me? Why did I get this terrible disease? And a lot of people that wind up with disease, uh, they battle this question early on. But many I've, I've come to find, come to the same conclusion that my father has, uh, that my father did. And in spite of, of sitting and spending their whole life saying, why, uh, why God? Why me? And God, it's not fair. Oftentimes you find that these individuals instead look to God and say, thank you, God, for the breath that I'm able to take. Thank you, God, for the heartbeat that I have today. Many of the things that we take for granted, many of the things that we simply go throughout our day never thinking twice about, they praise God for moment after moment because in their life it is so much more difficult than it is in ours. And so often they see the grace of God more clearly than we do in spite of the fact that we would sit there and we would say, oh, this is not right, this is not just, this is not fair. 
many of them see how gracious and good God is in spite of their disease, in spite of their difficulty, in spite of their trouble, in spite of their struggle with each moment of life, they rejoice at simply having the opportunity to live. Something that you and I so often neglect to thank God for. God is righteous. God is just. Without being righteous and just, we can't simply make those decisions of righteousness and judgment for God because we are not right and just as He is. David says, God is right and just in all that He does. Moreover in them, uh, we are... We find... uh, more to, uh, verse 10, he says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. We don't see the great value that God's righteousness and God's uh, mercy are. David says they are more precious than fine gold, more precious than anything of value in this world. His judgments are to be desired more than anything else. And they warn us from all the bad things that could possibly happen to our life. And he says in verse 11, they are a great reward to us. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins and let them not have dominion over them, not uh, uh, dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. David says, look, uh, we all have sin. Only God is without sin. And we need to pray to God that He would keep us from transgression, that He would keep us from from sin, even sins of presumption in our life. And, And too often we are dominated by the sins of our life. Can you imagine if we would simply turn over those areas in our life, how much more productive we would be than allowing those sins to consume our life, to consume our day, to take away the, the time that we spend over that sin in our life. We need to simply call upon God to cleanse us of our sins and to keep us away from those sins. And David uh, uh, says, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins and let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. He says, uh, in everything we ought to pray that God would keep us away from our sins and keep, uh, keep us away from those things that tear us away from God. He says, if, if I could simply keep away from those sins, I would be upright and I would be righteous and innocent and uh, be kept away from the great transgressions in my life. Uh, 
And he says in verse 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. He gives one last plea to God and he says, God let everything about me, not just the things that I say, not just the things that that I do, but even the very thoughts in my mind, let they be acceptable. The only way that we can keep away from, uh, from these sins is to allow God to, to have dominion in, in our life. And, and David says, let everything about me, let all the things that I say, all the things that I think, all the things that I uh, see in my life, Lord, let they be acceptable to you because you are my strength. You are my Redeemer. You see, this is the proper perspective. Instead of thinking that God's not there, we need to exalt Him and rejoice in Him because He is there for us. He's there for us to call out to. He's there for us to to, uh, seek and entreat Him to keep us in the right way, to keep us in our relationship with Him because He is our strength. He is our Redeemer. It's when we fail to see God and when we fail to know who He is in our life that we fail to call out to Him and seek His direction and guidance in our life. It's when we fail to see the glory of God all around us, when we fail to see how righteous and right He is, that we fail to call out to Him to keep us in the right pathway. When we think that we're doing right and good, it's when we're in the most trouble. We need to call out to God and ask for Him to be our strength and our Redeemer, to guard our mouths, to guard our thoughts, to guard our ways, so that we might be in a right relationship with Him, that He might lead us in the right pathways. So where is God? God's always there. God's all around us to know the things that we do, to know the things that we say. More importantly, He knows the thoughts of our heart. He knows our very inner being. Jesus demonstrated this many times when the Bible says that He knew the heart of those who were accusing Him. He knew the hearts of the Pharisees. He knew the hearts of the the Sanhedrin. He knew what they were attempting to do because He understood and knew their heart. God knows our heart. So David says, God, guard my heart. Guard the very thoughts that are there. God is within our heart. He's outside of us watching the things that we do. He, he understands the, the things that we uh, are about to do. So much of my life, I, I thought of God in terms of, of being omnipresent in my life. God is omnipresent, then he, he must be omnipresent not just in the present. Here's something for you to think about. 
God's omnipresent throughout time. He knows the sin that I have committed. He knows the sin that I'm about to commit. He knows the sin I will commit. He loves me just the same. And He's yearning for me to stay close to Him so that I won't commit those sins in my life. That I walk with Him. God is always with us. He knows our hearts. He desires to have a a deep, committed relationship with us so that we'll be closer to Him and avoid those sins in our life. But despite the things that we may do, He still loves us. That doesn't give us free reign to do those sins. As Paul said when he was dealing uh, with some Christians who were talking about uh, the grace of God, should we sin so God's grace abound? For heaven's sake, no. But because we know to do right, we should attempt and, and strive to do what's right, not to, to cause God's grace to abound, but that we would grow closer to God and to walk in His way. You know, I think too often we're those two little boys. We've simply forgotten that God is all around us. Sometimes we need to ask the question, where is God? Are we living like He's here? Or are we living like somebody done stole God? And they want to blame us. We ought to be living, remembering that God is here. As a child of God, He lives within us. He sees the things that we do. And He yearns for us to live according to His desire. That's what it means to be the Lord of our life. Not just simply the Savior, but to follow Him to take up our cross, follow after Jesus, to live our life as He's called us to live. Let's pray. Dear gracious Lord and Father, we do exalt You and praise You for the fact that You love us, that You're all around us. You know the struggles we face. You know the troubles that we see. You understand and know the challenges that we face. And Lord, You see us when we falter and stumble. You're there to lift us up when we trip and fall. You're there to warn us of the danger that's impending and to encourage us when we've made it through. Lord, help us to be Your people, to live and to walk in Your way, to see You all about us and realize Your your glory and Your greatness Your righteousness are so great and they abound within us, within this world. 
Lord, help us to seek to follow after You. And Lord, may everything we say and everything that we do, every thought that enters into our mind, be acceptable in Your sight. For You are our strength and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.